Hi, this is the podcast Queer Margins and I'm Reese T. Matthews. There are just a few interviews left from the first series which I've really enjoyed doing but haven't had a chance to publish yet. So over the next few weeks I'll be putting them out as special episodes before I move on to working on the second series, more of which at the end of the episode. And I'm releasing this episode as part of Lesbian Visibility Day. So this is Diana. All they wanted me to do was bind my chest. All right. And they kept trying to give me concoctions that just made me feel ill. Mm-hmm. And then when I spoke to the psychologist, well, basically, as soon as I sat down, pretty much, and he said, well, that seems fairly obvious. So um, I went through in a quite an accelerated fashion. Diana messaged me on Twitter to tell me that I didn't have enough trans people on the podcast. So I asked if I could talk to her for an episode. Diana knew from a young age that she was different from the other people in her school and went through her transition a lot quicker than trans people do today. In this episode, we spoke about what it's like growing up trans, realising you're a lesbian shortly after transitioning, and how trans people are viewed by some LGB people today. And also, happy Lesbian Visibility Day. Here's Diana. I've always realised that I wasn't normal, Mm -hmm. shall we say, or I wasn't as other children. But actually realising I was actually transgender, well, there wasn't really the word transgender at the time and there was no internet. So finding out who you were and where you wanted to go was really difficult. Mm -hmm. Also, one of my issues was that I was never told that I was also intersex as well. Right. So my parents never told me any of that. I think they kind of hoped it was like something that you'd grow out of okay because when i was young nobody ever knew anything about it um finding out about it was really difficult and then coming to terms with it has been very hard actually knowing that i was sort of trans because uh, the choice made for me when i was very young was obviously the wrong one Mm -hmm. otherwise i wouldn't have needed to be trans i would have just probably been intersex so was probably when i was when I left school and went to university, I suspect that was probably the time when I really started to think to myself, I've really got to do something about how I feel. And so I used some of my time at university to find out exactly who I was and where I needed to go and what I needed to do. And how did that um, How did that happen? How did, that, how did you go about doing that? Oh, God. Well, there was... I was just so, I was just, I just threw myself into academic work to try and hold back any kind of feeling. So I would wake up very early in the morning. I would go for long walks and then I would study hard all day until I was so tired in the evening that I, you know, fell asleep. And that was my way of trying to cope with how I felt. And I saw a newspaper item, I think it was the Daily Mail, but I'm not sure, which was about someone that had gone through gender reassignment, although they didn't call it then, at Charing Cross Hospital. Okay. So I then, basically, I phoned them up and said, hi, this is how I'm feeling. What, is there something I can do? And I then got an appointment to see a psychiatrist. One, I was really lucky that I saw that item at that time, and two, that I could get an appointment. Because in those times, it's not like now, where you phone for an appointment, you have to go through your doctor, and it's like three or four years before you can even get an appointment. Mm. Then it was there were so few people that knew or could explain to themselves what they needed. I got an appointment. It was basically, I think it was like three weeks later. So I was 
still at university, so I suppose I was about 19. Because I got into university early from school because academic study was my way of coping, especially with the bullying at school. Why were you bullied um, at school? Because I was different, mm-hmm. and especially when puberty hit. Well, I was bullied from the first day I got in there because I was different and I didn't feel as the other because it was an all-boys school. When I hit puberty, things started happening with my body and that was really bad. So the bullying then really took off, except when they were trying to touch me. So your, your body was developing physically different to the other people? Yes, it was, yeah. As in, I started to grow breasts. So th- you can imagine that that became a little bit of a difficulty. Did you have any friends while you were at school? No. Okay. Um, all I had, I mean, I say all there was for me to find out, try and find out basically what was going on with me is, remember, there was no internet. I couldn't put things in about it and search. <laughs> All they wanted me to do was bind my chest. All right. And they kept trying to give me concoctions that just made me feel ill. But anyway, so that was, I found out more or less when I was at university exactly where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And then when I spoke to the psychologist, well, basically as soon as I sat down pretty much, and he said, well, that seems fairly obvious. So um, I went through in a quite an accelerated fashion. Oh, really? So how, how yeah. what kind of treatment did you, um, did you go through then? Well, I went straight on hormone treatment mm-hmm. pretty much from that first appointment. Wow. That's, that's, quite, that's quite a big leap, I feel, like to start, the, start treatment and start taking hormones uh, while, like, while nobody else knows about it. That must be, I think that must have been difficult at least. It was, but I didn't know any different. Yeah. I, there was no knowledge out there. There was no, there was the odd books, but they seemed kind of like, you know, impossible to me. Because they were like books written by people who've done magnificent things and pushed forward and done great stuff. And I was just, you know, mm-hmm. a young person just trying to seek out who they were. So they seemed sort of like way out there for me. So, yeah. And, of course, I'd grown my hair out and the way I was dressing because, you know, you could get away with, like, great big flared jeans and flowered shirts and all sorts of stuff. It was kind of, like, okay to be a wee bit eccentric. Yeah, totally. So I could get away with that. So I could be sort of androgynous Mm -hmm. um, with nobody really questioning it. So was university better for you then? Oh, God, yeah, we didn't get bullied. No. I got totally ignored at university. When did you tell your parents or when did your parents find out? Or, I mean, did you ever tell your parents? I I got, when I was at university, I got offered um, a job. So I got a job in the civil service. As soon as I left university, I went straight from university straight into a job in the civil service. And I kind of knew that as soon as I came out, I'd lose my job. But I didn't. Oh. I, guy that was in charge of the section that I worked in just said no you know what can we do which at those times nobody knew anything about it it was just let's get on and um so I went through my transition in the civil service which was fantastic very protected which is luckier than many people get now let alone then but I came out to my parents as soon as well as soon as I decided that that was going to be it for me with the that I was going to come out and I was going to be me mm-hmm. and then that was the last day I saw them wow 
Ever? Yeah. Why? What was it? Because of their reaction? Well, they didn't want to see me ever again. God, that must have been awful. It was hard to take a bit, but I'd not been that close to them for a while. When you get sent to the, the place that I did, it was... Um, it's kind of difficult to love someone that sticks you in a place where you're going to be abused pretty much every day. Mm-hmm. So, so I didn't see them again. So it kind of hurts sometimes. Sometimes you feel that sort of burning pain when it comes to things like Mother's Day, yeah, stuff like that, or when their birthdays or your birthdays, things like that. But it's been a long time. Yeah. So it, it was kind of like immediately they just said. That's it, yeah. Which is weird because they must have seen it coming in a way. I don't know. Maybe they, because they they hid things from me about myself. Mm -hmm. But maybe when it all came out, they just couldn't cope. Mm -hmm. Maybe there was, I, I like to feel maybe they felt some guilt about what they'd done when I was born. In what way? Well, made the wrong choice about what they wanted me to be. Wow. And then, and it, so that's how, how long? a nice veneer on it. Sorry? That might not, that's putting a nice veneer on it. That might just be that they're completely homophobic, transphobic, and every kind of phobic. Um, and how long ago was that? I was 20. Yeah, I was 20. Wow. And they never tried to reach out since, like, no. since then? Because you go through the thing of changing your name and everything else like that, and in those days there was no internet or social media, perhaps they could never find me. Mm. Perhaps. Mm-hmm. But then perhaps not. And are they still alive now, do you know? I doubt it. Did that make it difficult to tell other people then because of your um, parents' reaction? Everybody, obviously, where I worked knew because basically I had a week off work and then came back as me rather than as who I was pretending to be. So everybody that I worked with knew. And, of course, it's too... Although you could say that other people in the civil service would have known, different departments tended to keep, at that time, tended to keep more to themselves. So, therefore, probably not. It was just the people that I worked with knew i had very few friends so there wasn't really anyone to tell because when you're holding back something within yourself so much it's kind of difficult to make friends and did that change did yes as soon as i'd gone and i i went through the whole system in just under two years i know it takes more than two years to get an appointment (laughs) but in those days as i say there, there was no there was very little knowledge around the issues. It was done on the recommendations of the psychiatrist. And then it was just a matter of getting the appointment for the surgeon. But I had to do like a... He did stick to one thing, is that you had to work for a year in gender. As a woman, you have to work, you have to be, and you have to exist. Right. Presenting as female. Mm-hmm. Obviously without surgery having taken place. Yeah. So you have to go through that for a year. And then you can be recommended for surgery. I I was recommended for surgery whilst I was working in that year. So, which was why partly why it was so quick. 
perhaps it was because he had my medical records. And at this time, I didn't have access to my medical records. Oh, wow. Well, remember, that's only been reasonably recently that you've had the right to see your own medical records. Oh, really? I didn't, I didn't realise that. Yeah, but it's only been in the last decade. Okay. I think it's the last decade, yeah. maybe a little longer, mm-hmm. maybe 20 years or something. But anyway, at that time, I didn't have that access, and he did. So perhaps there were things in my medical records that he saw that made him think that speeding it on was okay. And I'm just trying to put myself in that position of going to work, you know, after well, a week off. one thing, and then, and, and then the two weeks later coming back is someone, someone else. Yeah, and that kind of like, because on one side of me, I, would, I can imagine feeling um, like this is who I am. I'm in the right place uh, and kind of like, feeling comfortable and safe and another time another side of me thinking this is the scariest thing I've ever done it's both you feel both Mm -hmm. you feel the exhilaration of being who you are and the freedom of that but there's also the fear of how other people are going to react because you don't I mean say they might say one thing oh this is fine but then their reaction when they see you might be completely different yeah or are they going to be whispering behind their hands? Mm-hmm. Is there going to be issues around which loos you use? Right. And I was really lucky in the fact that I had none of that. Really? No. No one, other than the fact that everybody said, oh, it's really fantastic to see you, and it's good to be you, or you look nice, your hair looks great, or things like that. Other than that, even the guys in the section were really sort of like, perfectly okay there was kind of the awkwardness of not quite knowing what to do whether to kiss me on the cheek or shake my hand (laughs) but um that was just around sort of like maleness i think sometimes yeah and that sort of i don't know that weird awkwardness of what to do with anything yeah but that sort of like even that sort of like semi-awkwardness with those guys like disappeared after a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. and then it was just well you just you went there and you worked and then you went home so you were there to work you weren't there to do anything else although I did become really close friends with some of the women that I worked with and did you feel your life changing not just because you were living as yourself but because like you were saying that you know you were keeping people at arm's length before because you weren't being yeah yeah I didn't feel I needed to keep people at arm's length anymore that I could be who I was and then obviously a year later when I'd gone in and I had the surgery and everything and then I had sort of like six weeks off work god I'd never been so bored in my entire life (laughs) and then I met a really nice guy and we ended up having a long-term relationship so I lived with him for a while and how did that go? Was that? That was really nice. He was a really fantastic guy. It was really nice. But still, again, the, I had a great deal of affection for him. And actually, I still do. Um, because we met up a couple of years ago. Oh, cool. <laughs> Oddly, yes. Oh, he's married. got a couple of kids now. He's quite happy. <laughs> but um, no, the, that relationship was really nice. It was really good. I enjoyed it. It was good for me. Yeah. But not particularly sexually. Okay. Until one night when I shared a bed with another woman, as you do after 
a party or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, that changed. Oh, wow, okay. Because, um, well, she kind of, she's she actually I commented about this somewhere else and she actually got in touch and reminded me that um, she just sort of leant over and kissed me as we were, like, sitting up in bed laughing about the evening. And um, when she put her tongue in my mouth, it felt like someone put my fingers in the electric socket. (laughs) I suddenly realised what people had been talking about as far as sex was concerned, and uh, that was my introduction. Wow. So then finding that actually I was a lesbian. Uh And then it was like coming to terms with that was far harder than anything else. Why? Well, one, I'm going to say, I was like living with this guy who I really had a lot of affection from, for, and that was what I considered what a relationship was, you know, and I considered that's probably what sex was. Mm-hmm. And now I knew something was completely different. And at that time, you know, all you heard about lesbians was in like the newspapers and stuff. And they were, lesbians were painted as really awful women. You know, they look like truck drivers. They wear boots and uh, they were, have short hair. And, you know, all the stereotypes of what lesbians are, mm-hmm. which are complete and total rubbish. Yeah. But that's what was around at that time. So, And that's what I understood lesbians to be. And that's not how I was. Like long hair, makeup, femme is obviously completely different so then there was sorts around could I be bisexual and that wasn't fully understood either at that time Mm -hmm. bisexuality was so I had some real problems around dealing with those feelings because once that dam has burst you want them back you want those feelings again you don't want you know there was that emotional as well as physical contact that was kind of overwhelming and how long did it take for you to, to get those feelings back then in that case? Well, it took for me to, <laughs> to break up the relationship mm-hmm. that I had with the guy, which it wasn't as difficult as it seemed because both of us were kind of getting the feeling that it wasn't going where either of us really wanted it to. Um, he wanted things that I couldn't give him, like children. And I just didn't have... I couldn't reciprocate the feelings that he had right. emotionally. Mm-hmm. So um, it was kind of a relief in the end, actually, when I said, look, you know, both of us are looking for something different. And I think maybe it's time for us to call it a day. And then I also explained to him what had happened and how I was feeling. I think he was kind of relieved it wasn't like I wasn't like leaving him for another bloke. <laughs> But it was something that he couldn't fight. Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't sort of like get upset about. <laughs> it was nothing he could do about it, you know. And then I had the awful trouble of trying to come to terms with being a lesbian. And I didn't even really know that. I knew the term lesbian, but trying to find out about it was really difficult. Okay. So I'd end up by going into like feminist bookshops. Right. Trying and buying books. I mean, it's going back to my like, academic thing of there must be a book about this. <laughs> and if I study it, then I will understand. I'm still thinking, oh, my God, you know, um, am I like these other women? Do I have to cut my hair off? Do I have to buy myself a pair of boots? 
these stupid thoughts at that time, because I didn't know any different. Also, how do I attract another woman? How do I speak to another woman? How do I know that another woman is a lesbian? What the hell do I do? Where do I go? Um, and then, so, what happened next? Like, did you get into a relationship with a woman? Up. or I got picked up at the um, lesbian bookshop. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. God, so, so that was good. So, because <laughs> I didn't know what to say. How do I approach another woman and say, hi, I'm a lesbian. Are you a lesbian? <laughs> do you want to go out somewhere? <laughs> do you want a coffee? Which these days is a euphemism. But <laughs> in those days, it would have been just a cup of coffee. But I got talking to this woman, and um, I didn't. She was apparently she was chatting me up, and I didn't know. <laughs> and then she really got bored and said, "Look, do you want to go out with me or not?" And I said, "Yeah." She was really attractive and everything, so that was kind of how I got in to know where the places to go were. Well, I got the courage to go because I went with someone. Yeah. Not trying to go on my own and um how was your experience of being trans and lesbian then within that community it was absolutely fine i mean to so say the only times that i really that i came out and said you know who i was was if things got more intimate right if, if, if there seemed like there was going to be a chance that things would go further than just um a chat and a snog mm-hmm then I would mention, I would say, you know, hi, you know, I need to tell you this before it goes any further, you know, just in case you've got any issues or stuff. And generally speaking, no, it never was an issue. It was only twice for two women that it was a particular issue and said, no, look, you know, that's, I'm not willing to go there or whatever. So that was fine. I mean, to say, you know, pretty much physically, it was just the same as any other woman, tits, vagina, woman. You know, like sex with other women, you know, what can I say? Yeah. Um, so it wasn't a particular issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only become an issue for some more recently because of all the crap that's been going on. Yeah. Um, and what Whereas, do you what do you make of um, of that stuff going on then with the um, like trans exclusionary radical feminism kind of? They're uh, not feminists. No. They're tra- they're transphobic people or mm-hmm. transphobes, but they're certainly not feminists. Yeah. Because that's not basically what feminism is about. It's about giving women choices. It's not about taking those choices away from women. What's your life like now then? What's gone on recently has complicated my life a little. As in all the false stuff that's gone around and false information has made things more complicated for people. And it's also made a lot of people more frightened. But for me, no, because but I know who I am. And mm-hmm. I've been who I am for a long time. So... When I go out, I go out and I do, I work, I do my shopping, I meet friends, uh, I have relationships. So that doesn't particularly affect me in that way. I do get a little more concerned when going into lesbian spaces than I used to. Really? Or even LGBT spaces than I used to. Okay. Because all the crap that's gone around about Get the t- get the L out of T on all that kind of thing mm-hmm. were discriminatory. Those women have stood up has, to some respects, um, highlighted issues around trans acceptability who are also lesbians within lesbian communities. 
because for some trans women who are also lesbians, there has been issues around them being accepted or not. I've just got one uh, question that is something that I ask everybody and I guess that's what would you say to younger queer people, young, young trans people, what would, what would you say to those if you had any advice to give them? It's really difficult. That They're living really difficult lives at the moment. I was extremely lucky when I came to the realisation of who I was that the availability was there and there wasn't all this crap going on. Whereas they're living through that. They've got the advantage of the internet and knowledge around who they are and being able to talk to other people about who they are and how they can get help. And I never had that conversation because I never knew any trans people when I was going through anything. Mm-hmm. But they do have that. But they've got these tremendously long waiting lists, the horror of the waiting lists, and it's the horror of the transphobia that's going on at the moment sometimes that can pull a community together it's taken a long time for the lgb community to pull together with the t Mm -hmm. but it's happened and is happening more but um i think they felt left an awful lot alone by the lgbt community for a long time and i think it's just you've got to try and live the life that you feel is right for you Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Diana for getting in touch and agreeing to be interviewed for the podcast. If you want to hear more from Diana, she's on Twitter at Diana Louise J. If you enjoy them, please rate and review the podcast and also tell a friend about it. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram, which is at Queer Margins. It'd be great to hear from you. Also, I've started working on series two during the lockdown, which will focus on LGBTQ plus people who live or who have lived in countries or communities where being queer is not as accepted as it is in the UK. So if you had any experience of that, or know anyone who has, please get in touch on email, queermargins at gmail.com, or through Twitter and Instagram, which are both at queermargins. Thanks, and again, happy Lesbian Visibility Day.